Let's hear what these guys have to say about this. Okay, I'm telling, so, uh, I'm telling y'all, it's a. Sa- I love the Beastie Boys. I, the minute I didn't know you were gonna do that, Mike Day, Adam. <laughs> so, it's so funny is that the the minute this is how great that song is. Yeah, the first two notes, I was like, oh, that's sabotage. Right, I love that. Right, song. right, right. No, and the video is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing like the old. Cops you know what I loved shows. about what I loved about them was they didn't care if it was campy. They didn't care. They were like, no, that's the whole point. That's the whole point is like it, which is great because it blunts critics right away. People who are like, yeah, well, uh, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. And blah, 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 blah. Instead, they're like, ah, it's campy, whatever. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like in your face campy, but at the same time, it's such a cool song and it's like, ah, it's memorable. You well, know, you can't make fun of people if, if they're in, if they're, if they're making fun of themselves and they're in on the joke, <laughs> right? Like, I know, right? It's yeah. hilarious. Right. But so I don't want to lose the flair of that because that song is sabotaged by the Beastie Boys and that happens to be what we're talking about now. Well, just for, had to get for, that in there. For, well, what was the first line? I can't stand it. I know you planned it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he says y'all like with a big New York ask, accent, which I love. Do you know they started as a punk band? So, I did actually, yeah, I did actually know that? know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they didn't really have a lot of musical talent, but they had this like wellspring of creativity within them that they were like, you know what? We got to just do something. They became you know? musicians over time. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then for them to like win musical awards, it's <laughs> like, you know, cause there's all these other musicians I've been around in the past that would be like, man, dude. Okay. Whatever. You know, because they're, no, but anyway. No, but they know. deserve it. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I think that they're just as essential to the development of rap. Oh, just as? They were. No, no, I know. But yeah. um, but sometimes they get, because of the camp, I think they're they're one of the, f- the few white rap right. groups or artists yeah. that black people are accepting of that are like, yeah. Well, we, because, we I, because look, they were true to form. They yes. were never trying to exploit their art. Right. They were, or, or a culture. They were the, just like, here, we respect this. They were just like, you know what? We're just doing this and we're doing it in whatever twist or turn. It wasn't a branding exercise. It wasn't a, let's shape this into a certain thing. And then it, once it's that thing, we can't mess with it. You know what I mean? We've talked about this before in bands where it's like, we've always opined about, you know, why don't they just try these different things, incorporate different instruments, do a different song, do whatever. They can't. It's the brand, man. And as soon as they do that, it's going to send a confusing signal. <laughs> right? And it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. But the Beastie Boys were not. A pre- if actually, I think the Beastie Boys are in some ways a model for us, right? Because we're not afraid to just do this and do what we're doing and not like trying to, you know, be like, welcome to Tennis Rockers. I'm Claude, your host. And this is Patrick. No, no and there was a spontaneity to exactly what you just said, though. And I, is that 
what's their album going to be like now? I mean, after, after, right. People I mean, were like waiting with bated breath. Like, Paul's boutique. The second is nothing. Right. Right. Like no sleep to Brooklyn. And right. What are they going to do right. now? What are they going to do now? And I think that that was also what, what powered their creativity. Oh, license because, ill. I was blanking. Well, because they had Ill. no, they had no, uh, they had no forced agenda. They, their agenda was, what are we going to create? What are we going to do? And there was, and there was never, uh, and there was an element of danger with them where it was like, I don't know what they're going to do, man. I don't know. I don't know. And, and you know what? I think that element of danger, it's sort of that element of danger gave them permission to break out and not create a brand. I mean, there's always an element of danger with a lot of rock stars and a lot of rock stuff. Yeah. But these guys were like so far afield that it was like this element of danger that gave them permission to just do whatever they wanted to, to make a left turn at, at creativity road where they're like, people are like, we hope that the album is going to be just like this. You know what I mean? And it, boom, it's just something totally different. And it's like, nah, you know what? We're going to do what we're going to do. Well, I'll say for people that we'll move on because I think that's, I think you want to what we do is like tennis rockers think a lot of times, like, I don't know what this episode is going to be about. Right. What are we going to, what do you want to talk about and bring yeah, up? Right. But going from mm. license to ill to Paul's boutique to sabotages off ill communication, mm. just get ill communication. If you're not familiar with the beastie boys, just get that. Right. And your mind will be apt. If you're a music person or not, your mind will be blown. And that's what I think an artist should do. I think personally, I think that's what a, coach should do that when their student walks out or a podcast or anything where I want to be surprised and I'm a big I don't know if you know this but I'm a big horror movie fan and you know <laughs> horror movie fans are we're interesting because we're let down 90% of the time right we always want to see something that's different and yeah. you're just like oh they're doing they're doing that again oh okay oh this is no okay oh wait they're all going to go together wow yeah. or, or oh wait they're going to split up yeah. Oh no, not that again. And right, yeah. you know, and you're just, you're constantly let down. And it's weird that for like every 30 movies of bad, mediocre horror that you're just holding on for something. Can I just say, I had no idea. I just, I just read this news article about uh, 30 years of silence of the lambs. And I did not consider that movie to be in the horror genre. And they no. said that, well, I don't they, either. They, it won and it won in a, it was considered to be one of the horror films one of the few horror films that actually won an Academy Award. <laughs> I was like, really? This is a horror? It seems like a thriller. It seems like a it's a, psycho it's a psychological thriller. But that's what the that's what the piece talked about. And I thought that wasn't I, I just thought but I also think it's interesting for when we talk about because we're gonna go we wanna talk about sabotage, but I think it's also that students should feel to have feel free to have permission with their tennis. And it's not, and I think that that's one of the uh, underlying feelings that people don't have. I feel like you don't have permission to have freedom with your tennis because you go into a court with a pro and the pro is so good at the, what he does that you feel a little um, sub uh, insufficient or in if, you know, you feel insufficient in the face of a pro and you're kind of like, well, I, 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 I got to get to that level. And, and, you know, I, I, uh, I, I should just listen to what he has to say. And, and so you don't sit there and think to yourself, <clears throat> you know what, 
I'm much more comfortable holding the racket this way, or I'm much more comfortable taking a swing this way, or I'm much more comfortable for now. Instead, you start to sort of self-criticize. You you look at the expert, and you're kind of like, well, he wouldn't do it that way, and so I don't, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I. So I think that there's an element of you don't feel like you have permission to 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 experiment a la like the beastie boys and there's almost i guess maybe there's some symmetry there with the um you build a brand and you don't want to get outside of it i think also with the student because it's like well that's their identity i'm a tennis player i'm also a student of coach so and so and i and this is the way the coach does it and then people start to go, oh, you're with coach so-and-so, right? And it's kind of like, you're with that band. You know what I mean? And there's this brand that's built. And then before you know it, you're part of that whole mix. And then you don't you don't feel like you have permission to make a left turn where you want to. Or it's like, where it's like, you know what? I know you want me to work on, you want me to work on my ground stroke forehand down the line, but I just I just love smashing the ball. You know, I mean, I did this with my kids the other day and, and they're like, they're like, dad, we just want to, we just want to do that drill. And I'm like, which one? And they're like, we just want to do that drill. You know, where you, you, you light up the ball right by the net and, and hit it, you know, give me a high lob and I smash it down. And the guy on the other side, you have points and the guy on the other side has to try to get it back and get it in after a, after you've been smashed at. And they just love that drill. I never would have thought that drill would have stuck. We actually did that drill on accident one day because my one son wanted to try to hit the other kid. <laughs> and so we did it on accident. Because that is fun sometimes. Because that is fun, right? <laughs> or, or, and so, but they have, but, but because they're, my kids are my students, and I guess maybe there's an analogy there that there is an element of danger, that there is an element of, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have this brand. Well, there's also, I'm the, Coach well, Claude, well, I'd, I'd you know what I mean? Well, I'd say something else also that there's a spontaneity to how you organize a practice session with the with Cannibal and Bomber, where you do have an agenda, but you're also okay, like you have a long-term agenda and a plan so they can incrementally move forward in a weird way without them knowing that they're moving forward. I mean, that's such a weird thing to figure out but at the same time if they want to play something or do something different that's a little left of you know left of the dial you're like oh let's do it great and you're not like no we came here this is the plan this is what we're following you know and I, and I think that also happens on a coach to coach basis also where if we want to use the the beastie boys that I'll, I've had in the past students where I was trying to figure something out for them. And for whatever reason, we got one place. Let's say they were, they were interested. And they were actually trying to figure out what would be the best stroke for them. Or the, we're going to go down, let's say, the one-handed route. Wait, let's give some clarity. So they came to you and said, Coach, I want to learn to play this certain thing. And yeah, yeah. Like, like, give us a one-handed backhand, a one-handed backhand, and they had not done that, and so you, it's, it's almost like it's almost like a, a guitar teacher or <clears throat> a vocal teacher. Hey, I want to learn this song, and you were like, well, okay, let me figure out how to do this, and let me figure out how I can teach this to you, and for given who you are and how you play, and let me just do that, right? Is that that's exactly right? Yeah. Okay. 
And let's say we had like three or four lessons, but for whatever reason, somewhere my schedule or their schedule, it didn't sync up and they had to switch to another pro. But then what will happen is because I was trying to figure it out, I got to like one aspect of it that we were able to, and that one thing stuck where nothing else did. And then a, a coach has said, what were you doing with that? And it's like, I had to fix that. You know, and you're as if like, I'm a, it's a territorial thing of almost like, and again, that's, and again, I bristled that to still, I mean, today, because it feels like you're being called out being a bad coach. And I'm like, wait a minute. This, I, I got to, I was only able to address this. But the first thing that comes across is this competitive thing, not with all coaches, but I've worked with coaches in the past that with, they'll, they'll say something like snarky as if like, you know, I don't know what you were doing with that forehand or volley. I was like, I didn't get to it. Like there was, there was other things going on at that time. The kid was a, an emotional. Wait, uh, wait, wait. I've got, I, so I, Go I, yeah. I'm curious here. Could there be a brand within a brand? Ooh, wait a minute. Hold on. What I'm saying by that is, cause I'm not sure I got it, but what I'm saying is like, a coach has a brand, but then within tennis, there's like this unspoken brand that, you know, this is the way we do the forehand. This is the way we do the backhand. This is the way we do the serve. And do you know what I mean? Like, and you're straying from that. And I had to fix that. Th that's is a, that kind of? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, well, yes, there's that also where I have said, listen, I was, I'm trying to create energy from extension, not rotation. Just because you want them to rotate doesn't mean in any stroke, on a ground stroke, doesn't mean that mine was the wrong one either. They should know both and ultimately they should, they, they should choose. Don't you think? That's my feeling on it. Yeah. And I want to give my students free reign to make their own decisions. I want to teach them a style of tennis where they're not reactive, but they're proactive, they're thinking for themselves, that they don't look up as like a, a child that's like, what should I do, daddy? I want them to be like, I did this because of this. Okay. So what I'm saying, I was trying to explain was there are sometimes when you're trying to figure something out as a coach and then your student, for whatever reason, needs to go to a different coach at that point, not because it didn't work out, just meaning like the coaching didn't work out, the timing didn't work out, the scheduling didn't work out, that a new coach grabs that student and then it feels like sabotage, I'll use the word, thank you, sabotages you as, you're, as if you're a bad coach because once they start verbalizing, well, why didn't you fix this? Why, why'd you do this? I mean, I had to fix that. I don't know what you were thinking. Then you, then you worry, at least I do, I hope you didn't say that to the parents or the kid that I was coaching because that's really a miss and that's sabotaging my ability to coach. And I'm a very good coach because I work very hard at it. And it's undermining me for something that's not true. And I have always hated that when, when it's like a one-way conversation, it bothers me. I've dealt with people in my life that where I call it like lies of omission where they give a story to somebody, but then they leave out the other 90% of it of why that person reacted that way. Oh, did you, did you know that Sully yelled at me? So, oh, the, but here's the, right. Did, did you know that? So, I mean, can you believe it? I mean, it was just so uncalled for. Oh, I'm so sorry. He yelled at you. Why did he yell at you? I mean, I stole his car. 
you know, but we're going to leave that part out. We're going to leave out all that facts. So what happens is when a coach says that to me, I feel like it's really undermining. That's my point. Well, I think psychologically, the point is that psychologically people want to feel they want to redress their emotions and they want to feel like, okay, I'm vindicated here, right? I'm vindicated. I've proved my, in the case of the person who was like, well, why did you do that? Why didn't you fix that? It's like, I want to, they're, they're struggling to prove their value. And so that's a great way to do it. It's like, oh, you know what? I've got something here. I've got something. I've got something I can dig on here. <laughs> and so they, they want to put a feather in their cap and they put a feather in their cap with the student. And then the student is like, oh, yeah. And then they think in some way, maybe, and I don't know if this is true, that they can in turn, that will ingratiate themselves to the student. And the student will be like, wow, coach so-and-so, man, you know, he really set me straight. <laughs> He, you know, he pointed out that my backhand was all fakakta and now, you know, and, and, and maybe your name doesn't even get mentioned. Maybe it's just, you know, yeah, there was a major mistake here and I spotted it. I mean, I've seen this in the work spot, in the workplace. You know what I mean? It's like, you want to ingratiate yourself with people, whether it's your boss or your customer or whoever. Um, you also want to feel like you've added value and I'm not defending this whole thing because I understand from your perspective, I've been on that side. It feels like sabotage because you're like, are you kidding me? So now you're trying to like sink me as a person in front of everybody. But at some level, yeah, they're kind of throwing you under the bus. We called it in my world, throwing you under the bus. And they would do that because if it was tactically or politically convenient for them, they would do it, you know? And it was like, hey, look, you're not my buddy. You're my colleague, but I don't really care. I don't, I don't have a vested interest in you. And it's really hard too, because when you're a business owner, you don't want to see that happen because you're like, great, this person's undermining the whole thing that we're trying to set up here. So now I got to nip that in the bud because if I don't nip that in the bud, like, and then you got to have a meeting here to talk about how we shouldn't be doing this sort of thing. Right. And without calling out names and you got to sit there and you got to say, Hey, look, um, just want to set the rules here. <laughs> you know, if somebody switches from one coach to another, you can talk about it, but let's not make comments to the students <clears throat> about whatever, or let's not talk to each other about if, if you do talk to each other, let's talk in a civil manner and not just say, Hey boy, that was a real screw up. What did you do there? You know what I mean? And that, that you gotta, you gotta set that from the top again. But, but I think that what I'd like to see happen is just coaches across the board when they get a student that they inherited from somebody else or the student even just switches for whatever reason. Having a conversation, hey, you know, I got, I got, I got Bobby. I just picked him up as a lesson. I was just curious, what were some of the things you were working on? What were some of the things that were hurdles? And actually having a dialogue about what you were working on and why. And the other coach should say, oh, okay, I get that. Okay, I might try that, but I'm going to maybe go down a different road, but I appreciate that. Right, that's a very different thing. And then when you address the student, you say the same thing of, what did you work on with Coach Sully? 
Well, we were working on my one-handed backhand and just the grip switch for me. I wanted to come over. He wanted me to come over on the grip more. He wanted me to roll my bottom hand over more. And could one of the things behind that also be for you as your, from your coach perspective, but could one of the things also behind that be like, I think one of the greatest fears in tennis is like, you're going to teach something wrong or you're going to teach something. And then it's going to be a habit that the student leaves with and they're with forever. <laughs> and now, and now you're the one who's responsible for that. And, I, I and do, somebody's yes. like, somebody's like, where'd you learn that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Is that there's a fear. There's uh, a fear well, there. My fear also is, is teaching something where they leave like halfway through without completing. And then they don't pr- keep going with the lessons or they don't on their own <clears throat> look to finish it. And then they, they're doing something that's going to actually hurt them long term. Yeah. So I've, I've gotten really good at... I shouldn't say getting really good. I don't mean like I'm good at it. I've tried to really teach a style of tennis that I know won't hurt them long term. That won't create any issues for them. So there is kind of a brand within a brand. Like there is a certain style of tennis. There are multiple styles. I think there's multiple. That people want to teach in order to like you don't stray too far. You don't get too creative. Okay. So maybe that's what's going on then. Maybe it's not. Maybe the what I'm taking is criticism, and yeah, and I feel a chink in my armor. Don't get me wrong; like you're telling like yeah, an yeah. expert, I'm like, oh my, don't criticize, right, guys? Right. I, I do have a little bit of hubris because I well, work really hard. Yeah, but maybe that's what's happening is that they're establishing their brand to the student now, <clears throat> but because right, that's what you're saying. Yeah, can I share a story with you? Yeah, please. So I uh, I was looking at a Florida Academy. This is going back like a year or two years ago, probably two years ago. And I was talking to um, a Florida Academy who I shall not name. And they're actually really nice people, really nice people. It's a smaller academy. And um, the guys taught like some famous players and written a book and the whole thing. But anyway, so I sent a, um, so the person who answers the phones, I, she's very congenial and nice. And she said, well, just send, just send some video of your boys playing. And I was like, all right, I'll send, I'll send some video. So I sent some video and, um, you know, at the time that we were doing smashes and we were doing, we were doing, you know, just the crazy drills that we were doing or whatever. And so, um, she sends the tape to one of their head coaches and the head coach is like, he said, she then sends, she probably shouldn't have done this, but she sends back his response, which is basically like, just like, looks like they're just hitting a bunch of balls really fast. I'm not sure what the point of this is. They would have to come down here and we would have to sort of reset everything. And I was like, so I just saw it and I was like, she actually just forwarded it on to me. Um, and I was like, I did my response, my instant response. And this was, I guess my hubris, but my instant response was, oh, okay. Well, see you later. <laughs> I was like, not going to you guys, because if you guys are not going to even honor, like you don't know that they didn't know the history that I've been pl- uh, training my kids from the ground up, right from scratch. Right. They didn't know the history, which to be fair, that that they didn't know that. But, but hold, same, on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Now this goes back to what I was saying. The the reason they don't know it is because they didn't ask. Right. They didn't they didn't they just were looking at a 
three minute video and he made a, a snap judgment, right? Which has nothing to do with heart, work ethic, right? Depth of interest, how much they're on the court. Th- at that point, they were seven, <laughs> right? So you're talking about really young kids. He didn't meet the parent. He had no clue what your involvement was. If you're a crazy tennis parent, or are you actually well adjusted and doing this correctly? Well, that no, would have no. been incorrect on the last one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maladjusted. But just him say, but that again, there was no conversation. There was no. It right. was. There's your formula again. Well, they don't look like tennis players. They're like wild kids hitting balls. Right. Well, at that age, most kids do. There's no tennis phenom at seven. Right. Like, like he was expecting to see like a mini Federer. Yes. No, yes. A mini Federer who's setting up the ball, sticking his right hand up, his left hand up in the air and getting ready to make a smash. It's going to be just perfect. Like, that's why like a video is not a video is not. And I think it's so interesting that we have this age of, of TikTok and YouTube and Facebook where we put all these things up, but that is, that's just the icing. There's no cake, right? No one's ever delving deeper because it takes time. And unless you take the time to delve deeper, then I'll be honest with you, I don't think you have a brand. I, I think you have something that's pretty shallow. I think that you're a quick fix coach if you don't go into the long term with another coach of what you're doing, you know, and I just had this, and I will say, I just had this conversation with two younger coaches that I work with who I really like a lot. I think they're going to be fantastic uh, moving forward. I think they'll be around for a long time. I hope they will. I really enjoy working with them, but they were working on movement from, I think I brought this up in an earlier podcast. We were, we've been using ball machines a lot lately. It allows us, it keeps things moving and it gets them to focus more because the thing doesn't stop firing versus versus us feeding, right? So I'm a big proponent of using ball machines for, co- and it also frees us up to move around. So if you're a coach that doesn't use a ball machine, I highly recommend that you do. It also saves your arm and your back and your legs. It's great. So one of the younger coaches had come up with a drill with the ball machine running the class this particular week and nobody was moving correctly. Like the concept of ground stroke to approach and then closing out the volley, like in the singles point. But the way they were loading was wrong. Like the legs that they were pushing, they were, they were all front loading so much ball was dumping into the net. And I had said, I brought the coaches up. I said, Hey, can we just hit pause and go through, through movement? And one coach said, well, I think, you know, with the hands and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, no, no. I said, look, if you just look at their legs, forget the racket. I said, forget everything else. There's, they're completely over their center of gravity when, when they're grabbing this ball, I, most of them, because they're not, they're not academy kids, right? They're, they're playing once or twice a week, and they, they play other sports. This, this is not their – they like doing because it's fun, right? Because <laughs> they're a little bit competitive. They're not, I'm going to play in college. These are not those kids. And – one pro disagreed with me and I said, well, I'm just going to tell you, I think you really need to boil it down to one thing. And I said, you're coming from the standpoint of somebody who's played since you were nine and you played in college, like seven days a week. 
So what you think is like, oh, they'll get it. I said, they're not going to get it because they're not you. You're interpreting it through your lens, not their lens. So doesn't that go into the same thing of you're interpreting what another coach did with the student? Well, we talked about that in another podcast where we talked about you projecting onto your student, remember? Yes, yes. How you were like, you were like, we were talking about, did they have fun? And it was the Frisbee golf thing. And they were like, you, you, you were like, uh, they were flat in their affect and they were not having, it looked like they weren't having fun, but they were in fact, probably just mentally processing the whole thing. And you were like, okay, this didn't go over well. And then the next week they came back and you were like, okay, let's work on this. And they're like, are we going to do Frisbee golf again? (laughs) And you were like, you want to do Frisbee golf? I thought that was a lead balloon. (laughs) Right. Because you had projected your interpretation of their feelings onto them, which is a common human thing to do. It's not, you know, but I think you're right. We have to be aware of it. Isn't that kind of what we're saying? Absolutely. And I think we have to be aware of having, when we don't have those conversations with another coach, I don't, right, because what we're doing is we're inadvertently, and I'm sure I've done it too. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure I've thrown somebody under the bus without, with, with a New York snarky comment where, and then, uh, and I, and I apologize if I have, right. That's not who well, I, I think their thing that happens is you want to, you want to make your mark. You want to make your mark as a coach. You, so you, so, so you want to, you, it's not just, you want to add value and it's just not, not just that you want information, but I think you also want to make your mark as a coach into a student, or you want to <clears throat> make your mark to among other coaches because you want that respect from them. And I'm not saying you, you, so you might have a younger coach. You're, you've been coaching for 20 years. You might have a younger coach who comes in and he wants to make his mark with you to some degree because he wants you to be, he wants to be considered, even though technically he's a peer of yours because he's coaching at the same facility and he's considered a coach. There's a certain element of like, you don't, first of all, I'm not sure you consider him a full peer because you've been teaching a lot longer than he has. And I think there's a certain element within him. that's like, he wants to be considered that full peer. In business, we always call it, they want the corner office, right? And, and the corner office has the best views and the whole thing. And we, we always, we always used to make a joke like, yeah, he wants the corner office. You know what I mean? And he just started, right? Well, he wants to fit in or she, and they want to make their mark to some degree. And it's not, maybe it's not sabotage. Maybe it's they're in addition to wanting affirmation they and they want to fit in they want to either when they're new they want to they want to establish they want to establish that they have value and they want to establish that they fit in here or when they're an existing coach and they feel like some of that value might be slipping some of that whatever might be slipping that they feel like they need to reassert it by making these comments by saying these things like i gotta get in there and i gotta I got to say this, <laughs> you know what I mean? As opposed to being more like Buddhist about it and like, that's one way to do it. So coach so-and-so showed you that. Well, that's very interesting. Let's try to eat. Would you like to build on that? Or I think we could go in a different direction. How do you feel about that? Or, or ask yourself, why did coach so-and-so do that with you? Well, I think right. they were going for this. Okay. Right. Well, you know what? I'm, 
let's try something different. Yeah. Right. And I don't even mind to say I disagree. That's totally fine. Yeah. But you have to know where another coach was coming from in doing that. And, and you have to also be respectful of that other coach still works there <laughs> and that other coach gets students and that other coaches students probably know your student or the student that just came over to you. You know what I mean? And people talk, right? People talk and then, and that can have an effect unknowingly of undermining the coach. So like you're as to use your example, the student, the timing didn't work out. They go over to another coach that coach then feels like they need to assert their value or their position in the organization. You know, they got to elbow their way in and do that whole thing. And so they make a comment like that and they're not really thinking. And so they throw you under the bus kind of sort of right. And they're not really thinking, Oh God, you know, whatever they either, they don't know, or they don't, they're not thoughtful, or maybe it's true. They, they just, you know, they want your business. <laughs> so they're willing to, they, they think that there's an in there, which is probably very small portion of people, but like people who really need to fill time and need to make money in the coaching arena. Yeah. I mean, that's, let's be honest. There are probably people out there that are like, Hey, I could get more of his students. You know what I mean? If this is, if this, if he's teaching this way, I could get more of his students, but but the point I'm trying to make is, is like people are doing it for different reasons. But I think what you're saying is have, have a, have a, a talk and a, and, and, and that again, that comes from the top down that comes from the organization. And if the organization is not preaching communication among the coaches and fairness, fairness and establishing a dialogue, and this is how we want and modeling that communication. Like, this is how we think, you know, if you guys, if you guys transfer students, this is the conversation. This is how it should kind of go. This is how we should think about this. This is what we're looking for from you. And right now it's just a free for all. <laughs> it's just a, well, there's right. still this mentality. I think as if the coaches are still playing on a team, like a tennis team, like they're still competing and they're still in competition. And I'm, I'm someone that with each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's, a, I think a little posturing going on and that I've never, I'm a collaborator, right? I just, I want to talk it out. I want to go through it and let's explore this. Let, let's take the time to go through it. So the posturing kind of comes out in the sense of like, they're trying to establish their brand within the brand. So the brand, the brand, the big brand is tennis, the tennis club, the tennis facility and tennis itself. But then, Hey, there's me and I'm, you know, yeah, no, I get that powerful get that. Pete, the super powerful hitter. Thank God we got rid of Bob Pete's on, but is that yeah, possible? I, think, I don't know. You tell I, me. I think so. I think absolutely. I think that has a lot of credibility to what you just said. Because you see young coaches and maybe what we could do is the facility, again, I put it back at the facility, but they could do a better job of being like, especially indoctrinating and welcoming, inculcating new coaches sit there and say, Hey, look, I know you're eager to fit in here and I'm sure you're eager to prove yourself and show your value by the virtue of you being hired here. We think you have value, but now you need to be respectful of the other coaches that are here not just because of the amount of time they've been here, but also just be respectful. And this is how we would go about, we would ask that you communicate when you transition students, you know? Um, and I think the, the, there's another element here, which we should talk about in the sabotage realm, I guess. And this is something that I don't really know, but I could imagine it. <laughs> so I'm going to take it from the position of 
being in business and being like sales, right? So like in business and in sales, you're fighting for ev- you're fighting for your kill for everything you get, right? So when you walk in as a new coach to a new facility, if you don't have a book of business, you've got to somehow build that book of business, right? <clears throat> and as I understand it, oftentimes that comes from running classes is that, you know, you run a class and so then you have a class and then um, there's some students there, whether it's they're very young and the parents and you get to, to say, hello, I'm coach so-and-so. And then they kind of, you build a personality and somewhat of a exchange and a relationship there, or they're older students and you run a class and maybe one or two of them come to you after and they ask a question and then you say, well, I'm happy to do a private with you if you want. Or is that kind of how it's sort yeah, of it's like, that, like yeah. soft, softly built your book of business. So, but when you come in and you're a new coach, you don't have that book. Or when you're a, when you're a ripe on the vine coach and you've been there, you have a book, but the book may be slipping because you're not the new powerful Pete coach. You're not moving as much as you should. Maybe your book is slipping. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. You tell me if this is the way, is this the kind of the phenomenon that's out there? Is that kind of, how? I think it's different for every coach based on their brand and what they're doing. But yeah, I think that's new coaches roll in and, and they're exposed by being, at least in my facility, partnered with an older coach. But you get paid by your number of students. You don't just get paid in an hourly basis, right? That's how it gets, that's how you get paid. If you have a student, you get paid. If you're just standing around, you're either not getting paid or you get like a minimum wage. Isn't that kind of how it works? I don't know the comp structure. Every place I think is every, different. Every place is different. You know, we're, we're, we're paid for classes. Right. Right, and then, <clears throat> but... You know, then you also have your private lesson rate. I mean, we have, we have two rates. We have our, our class rate and then we have a private lesson rate right. that we're paid. So here's one though. When you have a book that's heavily private lessoned and we don't get paid. So people, people cancel, we don't get paid. So if you have a mass exodus, a, a one week where five people cancel, that's a big financial hit. That That's like, that was always why I had a... F- a more than full schedule because I always worried about that. It creates a lot of anxiety for me. So that, but I think, I don't think, I don't think you're unique. And so I think that could be like a strong motivator for coaches to be, I don't want to say to to sabotage, but to want to prove their value and to want to assert themselves and to want to keep that brand strong. And sometimes in the face of doing that, you're going to make strong statements like, well, that's not the way you do it. Like you're going to make strong statements as opposed to, well, one could do it this way. One could also do it that way. You know what I mean? You're not going to be neutral because you're, you're interested in preserving your brand and your, and your dollars coming in. Right. But I think there should be, I, and I'm going to, you know what? You can hit the smart articles button for the first time this episode. I love that. Uh, I just love that. All facilities should have some sort of peer-to-peer, coach-to-coach meeting or class regularly on interacting with one another and sharing of ideas. We've talked, but but specifically, like when you guys like on this topic, when you inherit somebody's student, ready, do it this way. Don't do it that way. We all need to follow some sort of guidelines on that. And you're big on that. Like, what is tennis for people? What is it like? There's tennis. What does it look like? 
And then how do we kind of freshen it up, right? Tennis rocker it a little bit. Same thing with the coaches, like, hey, there's a guideline here in this facility on, on when you inherit new students. We don't want to throw other coaches under the bus because you know what? There is a client for everybody, right? There's a coach for every client and there's a client for every coach. Just because you wouldn't have done it that way doesn't mean that it wasn't effective for that person and you don't necessarily need to turn over the apple cart, right? It's okay to like, I mean, I've had students that I've inherited from somebody that I've said, well, what'd you work on with the coach? And they're like, well, I was going down this road. I was like, oh, that's great. Let's do it. Let's just keep going, right? I'm just going to pick up where they left off. I don't need to rebrand them to use your phrase, right? I don't need to, I don't need to do that. I'm not intimidated by, because I think what they were doing had value. I don't need to change what was, because I think that's confusing for the student also. All of a sudden we're going to just change it because I'm now doing it to make it different. I'm going to teach a completely different style of tennis now. As if everything the coach told you was wrong. So that I feel, and I think that is like. <clears throat> well, I, I think, and I think that's where you could feel like that's sabotage. But it also may just be that the coach is trying to keep their book of business. They're trying to keep the, and they're also wed to their identity and they're wed. And it's a fixed mindset of the way that they coach and the way that they do things. And when a new, when a student comes in, whether they're new or not to their world, and if they're a closed loop thinker suddenly, and I'm not defending these people, don't get me wrong, because I know that these people pissed you off to no end. No, 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 but, but it's I'm not saying even, no, that- but it's not even me pissed off. It just, bum, it just bums me out. Right, but I'm right? just saying, like, I think at some level, they're closed loop, and so when they come, this is like, this ain't tennis. It's just not tennis. So just get that out of your mind, as opposed to being like, huh, I guess I could see how he'd think that was a good idea, but okay, well, whatever. Do you want to keep rolling with it or, or do you want to keep, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of, there's, I think the things that are at stake that appear to be malicious are in fact, oftentimes rooted in some more simple things that are not so inherently evil. They are, I got to put food on my table. I don't want to lose lessons here. They are, I got to get new clients. How do I do that? I've got to establish my brand. I've got a certain fixed mindset about the way that tennis is taught. And this is, and, and I, and I go with it because it's been successful for me and it hasn't caused people to revolt against me, which is really important, especially if you know, your bread and butter is won by getting and maintaining a roster of clients. So I think that there's a lot of those things are at stake. And then I think that there's a failing on the part of the facility to not acknowledge that these things are out there. And <clears throat> like, when's the last time you had a discussion about like, you know, <laughs> you know, fill in your book and, and how, you know, you might have a private discussion with your supervisor, your manager, but I don't think that there's a group discussion that goes around that. You know what I mean? That it's honest, like in a sales meeting, you know, they call everybody in a sales meeting and they've got the board <laughs> and they're like, they might have an, an iPad, but the point is that they have it there and they're like, okay, Patrick, what's the story here? 
your close rates low this month. You've only done X, Y, and Z, right? And you're like, well, uh, listen, I'm, I'm working on a lot of deals here and there's a lot going on and I'll just, I, you, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, boss. I, I, you, okay. You got three months left. You got three days left in the month. What's going on? Are you going to get some more privates or are you going to get more groups or what are we, what are we doing here? What's going on now in your world? That's not as hardcore. It's not as boiler room, but the point is that that's interesting though. That'd be an interesting way to do it, to bring everybody together and say, <clears throat> do it like a sales meeting. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, right, Coach Pete, um, we see that you're only pulled in four privates this month. What's going on there? Does anybody have an extra private that Pete could pick up because um, he's he needs to fill this half an hour? Does anybody <laughs> does anybody have a lesson they want to dump and give out to Pete because maybe that you could re- he could reach them better? Right? The answer that'd, would be no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but th- you know, that'd be an interesting way. I'm not saying that's the way to do it because I think a lot of these things. Are, no, but you know, what's happening is closed doors. What's happening is, is that you are, you are, the problem is by not addressing this stuff, you guys are accidentally creating this sort of pool of atoms that keeps smashing together unknowingly. And it's this sort of passive aggressive, um, you know, there's a lot of passive aggressivity, like, well, that's the D1 coach from that school. And, and also and there's over there and there's the guy with this identity and there's the guy with that identity. And he's got a book and this guy, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that like tension that's under the, the surface. I mean, it's smoothed over by a whole, like a, a patina of professionalism with, you know, this is the club and this is the facility and we have lots of coaches and these are our coaches and blah, 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 blah. but there's, at its base, there's a lot of people who are like, listen, I got to I gotta put food on the table here. You know what I mean? And if I have to pull out my D1, <laughs> I'm going to use it over you, right? If I have to pull out my, if I have to pull out my larger than life personality, I'm going to use it against you, right? And, 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 and in sales, what they do is they divide up the territories. So I don't think that they do that in tennis, but in sales, this is your territory. This is your group. You're not allowed to, you don't poach on this other guy's territory. I mean, you know, you were in sales. So you, 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 you had that, you know, but it's, it's a weird job though, because this just happened yesterday. I was giving a private and another coach comes out next to me. I haven't seen him in like five weeks. I'm like, Hey, where you been? And he's like, I was on a different court, but like our schedules are just, I literally haven't seen him in over a month. I was like, oh, what's up? And then I still gave him his lesson. And I remember I was thinking like, oh yeah, he's, he's the top spin guy, right? He, he loves to really send a really spinny ball over. And he was working with some younger kids, but it's an odd job because you don't always interact with people and you do become that salesman on your your court is your territory, right? That's your sale your your sales pitch is what you're teaching. And when you don't see somebody a lot, how do you have that dialogue? So now I'm going to play the other side of it. How do you have that dialogue with people if you're not having a conversation as a group? Wait, which dialogue? Dialogue, the dialogue with coach another to coach? coach, coach to coach. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about like coach to coach now, so it doesn't turn into sabotage. Because I don't think. You're making it like there's this financial plan and doing all these things to, to maintain their lifestyle. I, I was trying to, because tennis is a me sport, you're always, and you're, and you're coming from a background of playing, you always have this mentality of like winning, this mentality of 
I've got to be better than the other guy. Not, and I don't think it's done necessarily maliciously or intentionally. I think it's this this leftover thing that when you switch to coaching, that it's hard to switch to. Hey, it's gonna be very communal. We're gonna be very open dialogue about this when you've just played 15 years of competitive tennis by yourself on the tennis court or with just one other person if you're a doubles player. Yeah, but I think you're, <laughs> no offense, but I think okay. at some level your naivete is poking through or having been a coach for too long because at its base, people are still focused on survival. And if they've made the choice to teach tennis as a living, right? If you're showing up and you've only got 10 lessons a week, that's not putting food on the table. I mean, that might put some rice and beans on the table, but you're not, you know, if you've only got 10 lessons a week and maybe a class, that's not going to pay the rent, right? It just is not. And so I, I, this is where I would disagree with you to some degree, because I think that, you know, yes, there's the competitive thing, but people at its base, they've made this a choice to either do it full-time or part-time. And if they've made it full-time, that's their choice. They've got to scramble to make those numbers. If they're compensated the way I think that most of these places are compensated, i.e. most of these places don't outright have, clubs don't say, all right, I'm going to give each one of you guys a $100,000 salary. So I've got 10 toes <laughs> and I've got... <clears throat> no. Well, I'm saying that that's, you mock it, but no, you're, I'm not at, mocking. That's, you're not, you're not, you're not discussing that. that very, that very point. And, and I think if it, it were a, if it were a business, they would say, okay, we've got 10 pros and we value them and they're extremely highly qualified and blah, 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 and we're going to pay each one $100,000. Great. We got a million dollars in salary. Now here's what we need to do. We need to sell $2 million worth of classes and privates this month. How do we do it? Let's get out there. Right. And now we got to have a sales meeting, pull out the board. Here's the board. 10 people all on the board. They're all listed. All right. Where are we? Powerful Pete. How many people you just got? Right. It's that. What I'm saying is that's not how it works. You don't teach. You don't eat. You don't teach. You don't have health care. Is that kind of you tell me. No, that's it. Right. And I'd be honest, that's a whole other. So you can't tell me that there's not a lot of pressure there to establish your brand and to elbow your way in and to be like, there's some. No, I think there's a combination of that. I think there's that and that holdover from being a competitive person. I think it's all that mixed up equals throwing somebody under the bus sabotaging without knowing that you're doing equals it. the facility needs to be mindful of exactly what they're getting into with all these people that work there and <laughs> interface with the very people that pay the bills to keep the lights and the heat on and they're not they're not doing that because these people you people are at the forefront of interacting with the people who put the lights on who keep the lights on right but you guys, but it's just like a big free for all. You know what I mean? It's like, there's coach so-and-so. He's a swish army knife of everything. Here's coach oh. so-and-so. He's amazing. He, he's done this. And it's like, okay, okay, great. That attracts people. But now you got to figure out a way for everybody to kind of kumbaya work together. And also, well, let's acknowledge some of the root things that are out there. Some of the root things are like, hey, everybody has a car and they need to make a car payment here. <laughs> everybody here likes to eat and they want to go to the grocery store. Like let's acknowledge those things and get them out on the table 
But I think people are afraid to do that because that's also uncomfortable conversation because I think then the facilities are like, great, they're going to demand more. They want a higher percentage of the overall lesson. Forget it. Great. They're going to demand more. You know what I mean? The, what are they going to do? Unionize next? What's next? Right? But at a certain level, there needs to be some equilibrium that you establish here so that it doesn't come out on the students and so that it doesn't it doesn't lead to a massive turnover and you also avoid the sabotage thing. What do you think? I agree with you 100%. I, I had a thought as you were in mid sentence that I think, how do I say this? What is, are you selling the pro or are you selling the pro? So this is what's weird. Tennis is the product, but within the product there's another product, which is the pro who's going to be the right. So if you think of like a college, The brand that what they're selling is education. Well, there's a teacher in that that's giving you a specific kind of education that you're looking for, right? We're we're doing the exact same thing with the sport. We're the same thing as anything else. So, what is if the product is tennis, not us, right? So, like the brand is Harvard. That's the brand. So you're associated with Harvard. So when you're a Harvard professor, there are certain criteria that you're going to meet as that professor. The school is going to vet you for that. And I think that here we're going to, I'm going to go right back to the facility. So this school is this club and we're selling you this education. And these teachers have been vetted by us at this level. So there's consistency and continuity to the education that we're giving you. It will vary a little bit from teacher to teacher, i.e. brand to brand, but overall you're gonna get a quality education that's not contradictory and that's not confusing. And I think this happens a lot for students where they move around trying to figure out, and I feel bad because they spend lots of money and they're trying to figure out which coach is gonna work best for them. But if a facility could sit down with the coaches and really develop the education that we're giving and how we speak to one another, and I'm, I'm, we're, I need this as well, we all do, how we speak to one another, how we interact with one another, and what are some basic things that we're all teaching and going for. And if it, if it is going to vary, making sure the student understands why another coach did what they did or brought them down that road first. Or for the coach that inherits somebody else to understand that maybe there was something else going on and this is as, this is as far as that person could have gotten. Maybe what I was explaining just didn't resonate with my student and you're going to say it in a way, you know, that's, I always joke that you give lessons to people for years and then they go away and they come back and say, oh, my God, I had the best lesson in Hawaii. And you're like, really? What happened? The coach told me to not swing at my volleys. And you're like, no way. I and she's like, I know. Isn't it? As if you never said it. 
as if right so for 10 yeah, but years, you can't say hawaii because this is usually you do it's like well best and hawaii there's a reason because you know you can't can be, keep compete with hawaii i mean you can't mm-hmm. compete with hawaii no it's not about that was a great coach no no, no but i guess but what I, <laughs> no i no, i get that but what i'm saying though is that it, it, yeah. it feels like that sometimes right. and you're like okay <laughs> you know i've been talking to you about that for 10 years <clears throat> and now Wait, but now it sticks in Hawaii. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. If you needed a yeah. volcano and some surf, I would have done that. I could have brought that in, right? right. I could have brought that on my iPad. And that's and that's really hard for a coach, right? It's really hard because you work so hard and you feel a bit of resentment and you feel a bit of, you know, you feel oddly vindicated. But hold know. on, but, but I guess that's why I'm bringing this up because we all work really hard. We all are aware that if we step wrong, we can get hurt. We're all aware that we have to monitor how much we move in the course of the day because we don't have a normal job. You know, people were saying, did you get my email? I'm like, your email? Are you insane? I just taught for nine hours. I have no clue what just happened in the last three days. Well, I, they don't know what you write. But people think you're making it up, right? People think- Really? It, no, they do. I've talked to people like, well, just just check your phone. I'm like, I'm teaching. I'm actually doing something. I'm busy. Well, maybe what you need to say, because the reason why they don't buy into that is because they're like, well, I'm busy too. Maybe what you need to say is, is that they've got me on such a tight time frame that I get 10 minutes for lunch. No, so we, don't, I don't have, no I, we don't get lunch. <clears throat> okay. There are pros that don't eat lunch. When I hit it, like yesterday, I hit the court at nine. I came off at 4.30. Zero breaks, straight seven and a half, boom, straight through the entire time. This, and Keep a lot going, of co- you're making tennis. No, <laughs> tennis teaching no, no, seem really appealing. No, no but the, here's ready, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Love all my students. It was the fastest. It goes so fast. I, it's, you're like, oh my God, the day's already gone. So the, the downside is long days. Upside is they're actually really short because if you have the right students and, and, you're, and you're gelling and things are going well, it's the fastest day of, of even my 12-hour day. It, it's like, oh my God, it's eight o'clock already? That's insane. There's so many boons to this this sport and, and coaching it and being a part of it. I'm, and I say everybody that gets what I'm getting out of it understands what I'm talking about. But because I'm so aware now, finally after like 20 years of doing this, and, and I'm so grateful that we're doing this together because I never thought of myself as an expert and I still don't, but to be able to reflect like, you know, I actually, I kind of know a lot of stuff. I, I've put the time in. It's weird. I don't, th- I think of it like breathing sometimes. After Listen, after working that many years and this many hours and working with this many students, you know, you've worked with probably over a thousand students, you know, if you can't claim some sort of level of expertise, then when will you claim it? It's right. I when guess it, does, it doesn't feel natural for me to claim it. Because I don't because I sometimes I feel like a pretender. Because again, I didn't have that elite background. You know why? Can I just tell you? I'm waiting. This, this is turning like a therapy session. You you don't wear white. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all black. No, I I, I I honestly don't know. I honestly don't care. I, I care more about the fact that I think what we've done here though is say we've gone from looking at because i really wanted to start this off and go yeah those people they're out there they're the saboteurs they're doing it on purpose they're this they're that they're this they're that and at the end of the day 
I can't find that in my heart. And it's not because I want to, it's because I'm actually looking at it with a critical eye and thinking through trying to step into their shoes, which is exactly what we talked about. You wanting other coaches to do when they inherit your students is to step in their shoes and be like, what, 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 what's behind all this? What, why, why would they say that? And, be, 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 and that's what I was alluding to earlier about how hard we work. We're all busting our butt. Whatever your energy level is as a coach, whatever you're bringing to it, it's still a difficult, it's a blue collar job. We're still working, you know, and we're all working so hard. Let's support one another. And it's okay to have, like you and I having a healthy conversation and critiquing or saying, you know, I disagree with that, but why? Why do you disagree with it? You know, okay. And then I leave and, and I'll think about it in the course of the day. It's like, you know, I'm going to try that anyway, right? To have a healthy discussion for the game of tennis. And I think that's what, you know, this is all about changing the game where everybody plays it, where everybody quits pickleball. Everybody quits every other sport. And it's like, you know what? Finally, tennis, we realize how great tennis Got is. Got do. No, seriously. I want, I want tennis to be back where it was, where people were waiting two hours to play for an hour. That's amazing to me. That like the sense of community that I felt growing up, for whatever reason, it start. I think it's picking up a little bit, but it's not. It needs it needs some triage. But my point is, we all have to work together and not against one another. And it's not not to say I'm going to do something a little bit different with my brand. But it's to have meaningful conversations with other coaches, well, the facility, it, and the students that doesn't throw another coach under you, the bus. You can. You, the thing is, is there's room for a lot of different brands. You know, there's there's room for a lot of different brands. I just saw Trolls World Tour. Trolls World Tour. Yeah. Is that a movie? Yeah. Oh, oh, the, is that remember the, the movie Trolls? Yes, it's, I do remember. It's the sequel to Trolls, the original Trolls, and. Uh, it's a fun movie for kids, you know? And so the basic, world tour or the first one, they're both, both they're, they're both fun. So you're a trolls fan. It was fun. Well, it's got hair in it. So <laughs> I'm a fan, but anyway, so in trolls world tour, the idea was that there are all these different musical genres, right? But rock wanted to take over all the genres so that all music would be just rock. <laughs> which I kind of dug to a certain degree. I'm okay with that. I was, that's okay. Because <laughs> okay. the original trolls are pop, but in their community they have pop, but they have pop funk, and they have like they have like all these different, you know, these different genres. And so the cool part was, so then um, Prince Poppy, Princess Poppy pulls out this um, uh, map, and she shows all the different, they discover that there are other worlds of trolls out there. There's the country trolls and there's the yodeler trolls. and There's the oh, classical that's, that's trolls, hilarious. right? So this was the idea. And then each troll has a string that they were given that signifies and, and is kept sacrosanct and in a case somewhere that is encapsulates their musical genre, right? So the pop trolls who are basically the a story in this whole thing, they have pop as their as their thing and then there's the hard rock trolls right and they have their whole thing and but the hard rock guys want to take over and make everybody but 
So along the way, Princess Poppy goes and she's on her. She's trying to pull together other genres so that they can stand up against the, the rock trolls. Right. So she goes into the biggest, the biggest B story was going into um, the country, the, the country people. And it was hysterically funny because it was every bad stereotype about country and Western, you know, and just laid out there and how they were suspicious of her and they didn't want her kind in there. And then the trolls put on this whole pop show, you know, in front of them and they run them out of town, you know what I mean? And this whole thing. And the point is, is that there are these different brands. There are these different ways of approaching tennis. If tennis is the big thing, which we'll call music to borrow this analogy, then there's all the different brands. There's powerful Pete. And then there's therapist Theodore, right? And then there's, um, traditional tim right who's got all white on or whatever it's okay you can all you can all survive and thrive in this world of tennis but the club has to acknowledge that in and among the the pros that are there that everybody's kind of got their thing and that's kind of cool you know if we acknowledge that and then how we work together and respect each other's space Right. And, and each other's musical genre to, to borrow whatever, but you know what I mean? Like, and it's, and it's hard to do too. And I know I've been guilty of it in the past. I, I know I have, it's just as you do you, guilty of what of like, Oh, I wouldn't teach that that way. Right. You know, right. without actually, and I'm calling myself, but out you know what that's time. from, that's from you trying to, um, you trying to, it's like we talk about constructive criticism. It's in some ways it's about it's, you know, people often take that as negative, but there's nothing wrong with being a little discerning and there's nothing wrong with being discriminating as long as it's proper. And the point is it's, but you trying to find your way as you're developing your coaching style as to, you know, what do I find to be true to my style and what I want to teach and what I think would be good for my students and all this other stuff? And what stuff do I just put there and say, I reject that. That's not, and that's, that's really not being closed minded. That's, or, you know, fixed mindset. That's being open-minded, open loop and thinking about this stuff, but then putting aside certain things because being open-minded and open loop doesn't mean you incorporate everything and you love everything and you think everything is no, just no, no, the no, best. No, no, no. But that's not, that's not, <clears throat> You can do that. You can say, "Hey, I, I just don't want to do that technically with my with this student now." Right. You worked on that's fine. Right. What I'm saying is, it's not necessarily that what that was being taught was wrong, right? You know, I hate I hate low to high touch the sky. Right. I think it's it's a limiting way to teach tennis, but I understand why coaches do it. Yeah. So I've tried to. I say it's the low to high lie. Um, I try to tell my students that it's a def that's a, a way to diffuse the shot, but it's not an end-all, be-all stroke for every single ball. There's many different swing paths. There's many different things to do. So I've tried to say, hey, if you're taught to go low to high like that, it's a diffusing shot that will send the ball with a bit more spin. This idea that you're, you're, you're brushing, that, that's fine. I'm not against that but I try to go deeper into those other options. So it's, this is why the coach taught you this, or at this point in time, 
this is why you were taught but at that. its essence you've made a decision that you don't feel that that's that's you you said by saying it's limiting you've made a definitive you've made a decision that you do not you would not teach that so you've rejected it not as an end all be <clears throat> correct correct you've rejected but i'm not going to sabotage the other coach by that's saying true. that they were wrong because they weren't wrong even though you call it the low to high lie <laughs> So implicit in calling it the low to high lie, I'm just going to call you out here. Implicit in calling it the low to high lie is you are rejecting it outright and you are criticizing. But the point is, is that you're not saying that's Larry's low to high lie. You're saying that that technique is not proper and I am not going to teach you. No, no, no. I didn't say it. No, no. It's not what I said. Oh. I didn't say it's not proper. Clarify me, baby. I'm going to right now. It's not that it's not proper. That's it's not a one size fits all solution to playing tennis. That because what happens is unless unless you get you're on the path to be like elite playing, and I've seen this with younger kids, older adults. I don't want to go down this path because this is another episode that they think that every single shot that's a ground stroke, they're going to swing low to high, catch the rocket over their left shoulder, right? They're just, it's the same swing path for every, which is not applicable on a ball that is unscripted, right? It's sort of going to do this. It's sort of not. And what happens, I think coaches, my, and I've really, just as in the last few years, I've tried to do this, explain why I'm doing something. This is why I'm teaching you this. This is why I believe this. And I'll say other coaches have taught you this because of that. And now I'm so there, but I'm not saying they were wrong. I'm not saying you're, what you were taught was wrong. It was at that moment applicable and situational. And now we're in a different situation. Even though it's the low to high lie. Because they think it's applicable in every situation. Right. Okay. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. You got, you, you rescued yourself there. I did. I, I like that. I, I, was, like I that. was waiting for that though. I kind of teased <laughs> that up a little bit. I teased that up You long. expected me to do that. Yeah. But, but again, but, and I think also though too, and I, and I'm, this has got me too. Do you think that coach, I'm asking you now, do you think coaches maybe get like that or let's use the word sabotage because they need the student to break their thinking because they need to move on to the next thing or they need the next t technical aspect so they need something that's jarring where it's like that was wrong we need to move on now R right i need you to focus like almost like yelling right so i was thinking this also because in another episode we're like why do coaches yell all the time if you need your student to almost like snap out of it right hey i said this got it got it right like the tone is like i'm serious but when you do that all the time it loses its effect but maybe that's what that is also of, could that be where you're saying, nope, that's not it. We got we to gotta triage this right now. This is completely wrong. I don't know what he was teaching you or she was teaching you. We're going we're gonna to go down a different path. And that kind of hits like the reset button for somebody of, okay, we got to undo this or we need to clear the mechanism. Yeah, but then if you do that, I could, I could see that. But then if you do that, you better be prepared to bring it. You better, you better be prepared to outline, here's the new technique, not just we're going to move on, we're going to do something else, because all that does is leave the student confused. I've had that happen, where the student is like, 
you know, you, you come up and you're, I've been this that, that student and, and you come up and you show something or you do something and the coach says that, but then they don't address it. They don't address the who, what, why, or where, when, how, why. And suddenly you're just like, okay. And then you're left feeling a bit of, I don't want to say anxiety or insecure or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like you're, you're kind of like, okay, now what? But then they've moved on. You know, they're, they're like, well, okay, so now we're going to move, we're going to move on your, your net play. Well, let's work on the hands of the clock. Let's get to the net and work on the hands of the clock. Okay. But you just said to me that hitting the backhand that way is not what, so I, I'm, you know, now I'm confused. So you, what I'm saying is that then you better be prepared to, I think for the student's sake, you better be prepared to back it up and to talk about it right then and there. Because if you're not, you just, you, now the student is like, then you're just, it almost seems like you're doing it for nefarious purposes. It almost seems like you're doing it because you want to establish yourself as the authority. There's a pecking order and, and you want to make it clear that you, that you're the, you're the big, you're the alpha dog. You know what I mean? That you're the guy. And, and, but if you have a genuine interest in your student getting better, you can call it out and say, you know, I wouldn't do it that way. And, and let me explain why. Did the coach say why he did this? You know, I could talk to him. So I think as a, as a consumer, as a student, I think you can kind of sniff out whether something is genuine or not. Because if it's genuine, I think then a coach would be like, you know what? I, I wouldn't have, and maybe that's because they're a better tactician politically, but the point is that they wouldn't just say, no, that's not right. We're going to move on. They would sit there and they would say, you know, I don't recommend you do that. I'm not sure why the coach said that, or, well, that coach has a certain style and I understand his style, but you know, I would recommend for you and your biomechanics, it looks, it would look better if you did this, you know what I mean? Like, and you have a genuine conversation as the consumer. If I didn't see that and all I heard was, no, that's not right. Blah, 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 I'd be like a little suspicious of that. Like, Hmm, that seems more like he's just trying to assert his, his, his position in this club and build his book of business and get me. And, 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 and to me, and when it's done like that, it also is, to me, and this is where you really walk up to the line of sabotage, it's more like poaching. It's more like I'm, I have, this may be my only chance to get this student on my book and I'm going to make my mark right here. I'm going to do it. And the best way to do it is to sit there and call the other guy out and create doubt about the other guy. And that I would say is probably is possible because you put together the fact that you're, you're not paid a flat, huge salary. You got to, you got to kill to eat. You put all that together along with a small book of business. And I don't know what that coach was like, but if you put it together with a smaller book of business and a need to build that book, there could be a moment where he's like, you know, he makes a decision or she, they make a tactical decision. They're like, I got to kill to eat. And if I don't kill right now, I don't eat. So this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make my mark and I'm going to call this out and I'm going to, this is what it's going to be. And at that level, I could see that happening. Not a lot, but I could see that happening. Well, I'd like to end this with just saying that I think we all as coaches should all do, myself included, a better job of dialogue when we're switching students or even in a class where it may be. And I would like to say that I think the club should take control of that and the club should set the standard for the coaches so they know because the coaches are the team. The coaches are the team and the, and the team captain is the club. And if the team captain comes out and says, when you guys are sharing students or you're switching students or whatever, this is the way you need to run that play. You just rocked my brain, dude. I rocked 
You Come. rocked. Somebody you, rocked. Why don't you say that? Say it, man. Dude. So, you, what, what am I supposed to say again? Dude, tennis rockers. <laughs> you rock, rock my brain. brain. No. Oh, no. wait, no. I, you rock oh, my brain and you say. Uh, you rock my body. Uh, yeah, got, tennis got, rockers, okay, baby. Okay, okay, Come yeah, on. Got it, got it, Listen got it. to all y'all. Get, it's get, a get. sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> tennis rockers. Goodbye.